Amen. All right. Go ahead tonight and take your Bibles and go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to take a look at the third commandment tonight. The third of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 30. Let's go ahead and read. I will start reading in verse 7. And it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Right there, number three, before we even get to the what we think are the big ones, the thou shalt not kill, the thou shalt not steal, and adultery and all those, we see that we're not supposed to take God's name in vain. Okay? And what does it mean to take God's name in vain? Most of the time, when we think about taking God's name in vain, you know, we think about people you know, misusing the name of God, or sometimes people even associate uh, blasphemy with taking God's name in vain. But I do believe there's a difference between blasphemy and taking God's name in vain. You know, um, for example, well, Mark, let's look at a few verses here. Mark chapter three, verse twenty-eight. It says, "Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme." But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. We see the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is a very, very serious, uh, very serious thing that there's no forgiveness for. And that, I mean, you're in danger of eternal damnation when you do that. Uh, but at the same time, other blasphemies, they are forgivable. We see, uh, for example, the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 1.13 talking about himself. He said, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And, with, when it, and so blasphemy, I guess you could say the difference between somebody blaspheming God's name and somebody just taking His name in vain, sometimes you'll have people, you know, they'll, you know, they'll say things like, oh my God, or they'll just kind of use His name in an irreverent way, which I believe is taking God's, is uh, one of the ways we take God's name in vain. But blasphemy is when you're speaking against God. Most people aren't dumb enough to do that. You know, there are some people out there, but most people, when they misuse God or when they're blaspheming, that's when they're, you know, they're saying things against God. And that's clearly blasphemy. You know, you've got these morons sometimes that'll just talk about when they get to heaven, they're going to show God who's boss and things like And that's just ridiculous. And these people that talk that way, they're blaspheming God's name. But the thing is, we see that God's very forgiving when it comes to blasphemy, and I think there's a very good reason for that, it's because people who blaspheme, they're usually ignorant of God. They are ignorant of what they're doing. Uh, and therefore, you know, I believe there, there is a difference in blaspheming. That's somebody who's just ignorant. They don't know who God is. They don't know about God. They're picturing some old man with a long gray beard up in heaven, throwing lightning bolts at people. I mean, that, that's what they're picturing in their mind. They don't know God. Okay? They have no clue what they're talking about. But a person who takes God's name in vain, these are people who, they do know who God is. You know, they, are, they have somewhat of an understanding, I guess you could say, of who He is, and yet they're misusing His name. They're using it in an irreverent way, and I think that's terrible. For example, it would be a lot... Worse, if I said something bad about my mom, than you coming to me and saying a yo mama joke. Okay, if you say, you know, if you come and you're just kind of doing a yo mama joke, and especially if you don't know my mom, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to take that personal. It's not going to be real bad. You're just, you're just talking about something you don't know, you don't understand. You know, you might be being irreverent towards her, but it's not personal. You don't know her. Okay. But if I'm up here saying something like that, that, that's really bad, isn't it? You all would think much worse of me if I was up here trash talking my mom than some guy who doesn't know my mom saying something about her. Okay. I think there clearly is a huge difference. And there are many people who they do. They know God. They should know God. And yet they will, you know, misuse his name. They will talk of him in a bad way. But, you know, taking God's name, it's more than just verbally misusing God's name. I believe there's clearly much more to that. But, you know, just when it comes to God's name, it is, it's a holy name. Okay. It's one that should be respected. You know, suppose, you know, I was going to try to get someone to trust me and that person I'm trying to get trust me, they don't know me, but they know you. Okay. Say they know brother Lonnie, they're a good friend. And I were to go to that person. I'm trying to get him to trust me. And I'm like, listen, I'm friends with, I'm friends with Lonnie. Me and him were real good friends. You can trust me. And then after I have used Lonnie's name to help get what I want from that person, I go and I do things completely different than what he would do. You know, maybe, you know, he's an honest person. I've used his name saying, you know, hey, listen, you know, Lonnie, he's an honest guy. You, you know, you know him, you know, you can trust him. I'm his friend. Therefore, you can trust me. And then I go and I totally rip that person off. That person, because I used his name, they are assuming that I'm going to be honest like him. But then I go and I do something completely contrary to what he stands for. I have completely misused his name. I've used it irreverently. I've used it in vain. And I have hurt his good name. And that's one of the things that we, that's what it, I believe part of what it means to take God's name in vain. So, for example, uh, some ways that we take God's name in vain is one, basically being a hypocrite. To claim to be a child of God, but not act like one. Acts 11.26 says, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Okay? They called the disciples Christian. Why? Because there was something about their behavior. There was something about what they did, what they taught. You know, their words, their actions that reminded them of Jesus, the one who called himself the Christ. And so they called these people Christians. Why? Their actions were, they were like Christ. And isn't that what we do when we're saying that we're a Christian? When we tell somebody that we're a Christian, we are, we are identifying ourselves with Christ. You know, we say that we believe in God and that we, uh, that, you know, we follow Jesus. We say that we have Jesus in our heart. We use his name all the time. Okay. As, as a church, we use his name all the time. We're, we're constantly, you know, our, our tracks that we pass out, you know, they, they talk a lot about Jesus and they're about, he is the savior. You know, we do in our, our doctrinal statement, the things we have on our website, it's very clear that we as a church associate ourselves with Jesus Christ. We make that claim. It's in our statement of faith. It's on our website. It's on our literature we put out. And in many ways, you could even say it's in the name because most people have a certain understanding of what it means to be Baptist. We do baptisms here. That identifies people with Christ. We take the Lord's Supper. That identifies people with Christ. We do all these things on purpose because we're, you know, we're supposed to be trying to point people to Christ. 
We are saying that we are a part of His church and that we follow His Word. Once again, we're using His name to, and we're hoping we want to attract people here, don't we? We want people who identify themselves with Christ and that follow His Word and His teachings. We want them to, we want them to see this place and think, you know, that's a place where I can go. That's a place that identifies themselves with Christ. They follow His Word. And we do, let's say, but we're using His name, but then we come here and we're not doing anything like He taught us to do. You know, we're, we're being completely phony. People come here and maybe instead of a place where we're here preaching from the Word of God, instead of a place where we're praying in Jesus' name, and instead of a place where we're doing the things He commanded, we're just, you know, a social get-together. You know, we have our little groups where we connect with each other and, you know, have fun. You know, it's fine having fun and things like that. But unfortunately, that's all church is in many places today. It's just a social gathering. It's a place where you can come and connect and make friends and build community and all that stuff. And they don't want to preach the Word of God. The, peop- the preachers are scared to preach the truth of the Word of God because... You know, that, you know, people aren't going to like that and they don't want to run off, they don't want to run people off. But listen, if we're going to identify ourselves with Christ, shouldn't we be teaching the things that Christ taught? And for us to claim to be a church and to not do the things that Jesus told us to do, I believe we are taking His name in vain. We have used the name of Christ to, so people would trust us and then we come here and we do something that has nothing to do with Christ. I believe we have taken God's name in vain when we do that, and we need to take that serious. The fact that we are a church, that we are Christians, that what we do identifies us with Christ, it ought to cause us to take this very serious. Everything that we do in our service, we ought to take it very serious because people do, they, they identify us with Christ. And when we do things that a child of God should not do, a thing that God has told His children not to do, we are, we're making Him look bad. Proverbs 30, verse 7 says, Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee. And say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Okay. Now, there's a few things in there. First, denying Christ. You know, why would we deny Him for one? Okay. I mean, you know, it'd be you would feel bad as a parent if you heard somebody talking to one of your kids and like, hey, is that are those your parents right there? No, those aren't my parents. Why? You know, because they were embarrassed by you. They denied you, kind of like Peter did with Jesus. You know, that's that's pretty sad. I mean, you know, those are your kids. They have your name, okay? Those, those kids that you see around here who have the name McMurtry, there's certain things that you would kind of expect from them because they are my child. If you know me, okay, if you know me, you would think, all right, something is seriously wrong if you saw one of my boys out wearing skinny jeans. You'd be like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, that's a McMurtry. You don't expect that. You, you wouldn't expect that from McMurtry the way I complain about skinny jeans, all right? And the way I, you know, get, you know just guys being effeminate and things like that. You're not going to expect that. Now, other people might do it. You're not going to be surprised. But you don't expect that from someone who has the name McMurtry. 
Because you know I don't stand for that. You know I don't I don't like that kind of stuff. You know, uh, you know. There's just certain things. You know, I've people have commented before when I'll see my kids eating cheese. It's like, you know, what's wrong with these kids? You know, and, and I'm embarrassed when that happens. And I was like, well, you know, they're 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 half cutler too. You know, they take after their mom in that area. And you know, sometimes your kids do things that disappoint you and embarrass you. Uh, you know, that, that I'm I'm just joking around on that. But you know, you expect. You know, there is there's a certain behaviors and things that you expect. And we see here in uh, Proverbs, you know, denying God, and it talks about stealing. Okay? Why would a child of God steal? Okay? Didn't God promise that He would provide for us? You know, isn't God going to take care of us? If we are stealing, aren't we making Him look bad? I mean, wouldn't it look weird if one of, you know, President Trump's kids or grandkids got busted shoplifting? You'd be like, why do they need to steal? You know, their dad or their grandpa is a billionaire and they're stealing. That's not something you would expect from somebody, uh, you know, of that reputation. But at the same time, you know, we claim to be children of God. You know, we know what the Bible says about him taking care of us and providing for our needs. And then we go and we get hungry and we steal. It shows that we're not depending on God. We're not trusting in God. That is something that he does not want from his children and here we are, bearing the very name of God. We are His children. And then we go and steal. I mean, we're, we're taking His name in vain. We see, and, and also, well, let's, Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, For if you, uh, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God has adopted us. We have all the rights of a child because we belong to him. And just like you would hope but before that before your children would steal anything, they would ask you for help. You know, you, God expects the same thing from us. And for us to steal, we have no business as Christians ever doing anything like that. But we do uh, when we we take the name God's name in vain when we're just when we do things like just being disrespectful and irreverent in our actions. Malachi 1 verse 6 says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priest that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. Right here, whenever they were to give sacrifices, they were supposed to give the best of their flock, not the worst. And he's saying, you know, if you're offering the blind, you're profaning my name. You're profaning my sacrifice. You wouldn't do that for a governor. If you had the mayor of town come over to your house, you know, you're not just going to, you know, flop down a bag of potato chips and just, you know, feed them TV dinners or anything like that. You know, you're going to probably want to try to do something nice because you want to be respectful of, of that person. If you have somebody that's a dignitary or somebody of high honor, you would want to do something like that for them. But when we, and obviously we don't give the sacrifices and things like they did back then, but our, the way we make sacrifices today, you know, we just, we serve the Lord. And when you do things of service to the Lord and you take it lightly, you're showing that it shows how you really feel about it. And whenever I'm up here preaching a message, 
you know, if I'm just up here, you can tell. All right, you can just tell me he got that sermon online. You know, first of all, that outline doesn't. You know, you, you can tell that's not his. You know, one way you can tell if I got my sermon online if, if it's alliterated. All right, I don't. I never alliterate sermons. You know why? I just can't do it. My, my brain doesn't work like that. My dad, he can literate like any message and he doesn't go, he can just do it. And I remember in college, he was like showing us how to do that and he made it look so easy. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. And I tried doing it. I couldn't do it. I can't do it. I've probably alliterated three messages in my whole life. You know, but, uh, you know, some people can do it, but some people, there's preachers out there. I mean, they, they're, they're going online and getting their sermons, not doing any study. Not putting any work into it. You know what that tells me? That tells me, one, they don't even care for all these people who are taking the time to come and listen to the message. And then also, you know, obviously, you know, when we preach, the way we serve God today is by serving other people. And the truth is, if we're taking it lightly, you know, if I'm just going, ah, I'll find something online and I'll just preach that, you know, it shows how I feel about you. It shows how I feel about God and it shows I just don't really care and it's not a big deal. Ah, no big deal. It's just our church. You know, it's not, it's not a big church. I mean, yeah, and there's some people, there's some, you know, there's one preacher I knew. He was in evangelism and, you know, one thing I always appreciate about him, you know, it didn't matter where he was at. It didn't matter how big or how small the church was. I mean, he treated every church, everything he did when he would go different places with him and with his family. I mean, they, it did not matter the size of the church. They treated every church like it was a big, massive church. And he, that was just one of his pet peeves. These guys that go in places and it's a smaller church and they just, you know, they don't put as much into it. They don't make as big of a deal out of it. And I, I think that's a good attitude. I think we ought to have that attitude. But many people today, when it comes to doing things for God, they just, they do it half-heartedly. They don't really try. They don't put any effort into it. And, we're taking God's name in vain. We're supposed to be doing this for God, aren't we? And if we're not really trying, eh, it's no big deal. What are we doing? We're making light of God. And that is, that's a shame. We should not do something like that. But when we talk about taking God's name in vain too, I believe it means to be a covenant breaker. Look at Jeremiah chapter 31. We saw in Proverbs, in verse 39, he's naming off all these things. He says, lest I steal and take the name of my God in vain. Some think, you know, stealing is kind of a way of taking God's name in vain because, you know, a child of God wouldn't do that. It could be he's saying, no, this is a separate thing, lest I steal and take the name of my God in vain. But uh, what I believe one of the th- uh, ways we take God's name in vain is by breaking promises, breaking covenants. We see in Jeremiah 31, 31, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them in the, uh, by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. We see that Israel, they, they broke their covenant with God even though he was a husband to them, okay? And we and what happens when you marry someone, okay? If you're a lady, you take their name, right? You take your husband's name, okay? 
Unless you're a 21st century woman and you got to keep your, you know, we're not even going to talk about that tonight. But you, you take your husband's name. All right? You, t- you take his name. And when a person gets married, that's a covenant. It's an agreement. You are making a promise to each other. You are making a promise. You are making a vow before God that you are going to stay married to that person. That it is till death do you part. You make that to God. And when a person goes and they, when they break a covenant, when they break their promises, they are taking God's name in vain. You use, you know, the name of God. And many, and you know, these days we don't do a whole lot of this in our secular society that we live in. But you know, there was a day when many times when people would make agreements and stuff, you know, or when, uh, you know, you hear, like even in court, I think they might still let do it today where, you know, you'll say, so help me God. Okay. Why do they throw that in there? Well, it shows you're serious. You're using God's name. When you're making an agreement with somebody, when you bring God in on it, when you bring his name in on it, you know, that's saying, hey, this person is serious. They used God's name when making this, when they, when they made this deal, when they made this covenant. That shows they're serious. You know, while they might lie to me or someone else, people wouldn't lie to God. But yet people, many times, they will go ahead and they'll use God's name. So help me God. You know, I swear to God. Things like that. They'll say those things trying to show that they're serious. They're using God's name to try to prove that they're serious, to prove they're telling the truth with no intention of telling the truth. Or maybe they were, you know, they kind of intended to tell the truth. But, you know, they didn't take that real serious. Listen, before we use God's name for anything, we ought to take it really serious. Just like, like I said before, if I use your name to get in good with somebody, you know, you don't, you want to make, you would want me to live up to your reputation that you have with that person. And whenever we use God's name to try to get someone to trust us, to get someone to make a deal with us, for us to use God's name and then go back on our deal, we have now made God look bad. It now, it is not going to mean as much when someone else comes along. And they use God's name. If I did that with Brother Lonnie, where I used his name, and then I go and I do something totally contrary to what he would do, and then Brother Mark goes to that same person and says, well, hey, I'm friends with Lonnie. Well, guess what? Yeah, I've, I've seen one of those friends of Lonnie before. Yeah, I made a deal with one of those friends of Lonnie one time. And you know what? That guy ripped me off. Forget you. And now, he doesn't trust you because and you know, and he's going to be less likely to even trust Brother Lonnie, because man, this guy runs with a bunch of crooks. And the truth is, you know, we do. We make God look bad when we break our promises, when we break our vows. You know, when people when people get divorced. One of the reasons that one of the things that help you know get the whole gay marriage thing through is you know Christians they're all trying to say you know no this is a religious thing this is between God you know God instituted man and woman you know they're trying to make it all about God but then at the same time it's clear that Christians don't even follow biblical marriage i mean we get divorced for whatever we want you know I'm married one day divorced the next day married to somebody else the day after that i mean it shows that we don't i mean we didn't even look at it as a sacred thing and so you know it was a lot easier for our country in a world where Christians don't even take that serious to say guys can marry each other and so on and so forth. You know, and it's, it's ridiculous, but we kind of help that along 
by being liars, by being covenant breakers, but we need to keep the promises that we make, especially when God's name is brought in. And when, when you get married, God's name is brought into it. I don't know if they still do it in court today. When, when they swear people in in court, do they still have them say, so help me God, or is that offensive to bring up God in court today? You know, I don't, I don't know if they do that anymore. Uh, I think the president, didn't the, doesn't, when the president takes the oath of office, I think, I think he still says it. Uh, you know, give that a few more elections and we'll probably see that go bye-bye too. But you know what? The way these presidents lie when they take their oath of office, maybe they should leave God's name out of it because they're pretty much just taking God's name in vain when they're up there. You know, they never do, they never do what they say they're going to do. That's another subject for another day. But you know, also, you know, breaking promises, but not even just breaking promises, but even just rash swearing, I believe is taking God's name in vain. Leviticus 19 verse 12 says, and you shall not swear by not my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Y'all see that? Don't swear falsely. Alright? If you're making a promise with somebody, man, that is, that is so wicked to bring God's name in there and then lie. You are profaning the name of God. Don't swear falsely. But look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Turn over to Matthew 5 verse 33 it says again ye have heard that it's been said by them of old time thou shalt not forswear thyself but shalt perform unto the lord thine oaths but i say unto you swear not at all neither by heaven for it is god's throne nor by the earth for it is his footstool neither by jerusalem for it is the city of the great king neither shalt thou swear by thy head because thou canst not make one hair white or black but let your communication be yea yea nay nay for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Alright? You see, what? so what this is saying here, some people will take this sometime and say, well, this means we should never swear at all. And, you know, and like um, in some places in court, you know, they, if people like have a religious objection to swearing, they will have them affirm or something like that, which is kind of the same thing. But the truth is, I don't believe this passage is saying that we can't swear, we can't take a vote. Alright? If you ever get elected president, I think you can still go ahead and you know take the oath of office and you know swear and say so help me God and all those things, but basically what it's talking about here, there is no need like to we should not go swearing all the time, in the sense that if I'm like uh, you know brother Bob asked me to come over to his house and help move something, and he's like I need you there tomorrow morning I'll, I'll be there I, I swear I'll be there, so help me God I'll be there. Okay, well, first of all, you know, he didn't ask me to swear. You know, why am I bringing God's name in on it? The truth is, I, if he asked me to be there, I should just be able to say, I'll be there. And that's it. There, there's no need to start swearing, bringing God's name on it, because the reason that we have swearing and God's name brought into things sometimes is because of those out there who do lie all the time. Okay, it's the same reason that we have to sign so many papers today, so many contracts and things, because of people who lie. Okay, the reason that there is swearing in court is because of liars. Those things came about because of evil. And whenever we go and we're just rashly doing that all the time, bringing God's name into things all the time, we are making that seem like nothing. It's, it's now no big deal. The name of God 
is not a big deal anymore. You know, the name of God is something that's supposed to be reverenced. Okay, when God gets brought into it, it ought to all of a sudden get everybody's attention and cause everybody to whoa. Let's let's take this serious. But when everybody's just throwing his name around all the time, whenever they're swearing by his name all the time, it means nothing anymore. Okay, and that's that's why even you know the many of the biblical terms, okay, that we see in the Bible that are considered cuss words today, you know, terms like hell that the Bible talks about. I don't, I'm not going to go around using the word all the time and just you, taking. I'm not going to take that word lightly. You know why? Because that's a serious word. Hell is a real place, and when people hear about hell, it ought to strike fear in their hearts. But when everybody's just going around saying it all the time. No big deal. Same thing with God. No big deal when everybody's just going around saying it all the time. I mean, when God's name is said, there ought to be, all of a sudden, you know, we got people's attention. All of a sudden, hey, this is now a serious conversation. You know, when you're talking about damnation and things like that, we should not go around and be throwing that word at people and, you know, pronouncing damnation on people. If I'm just doing that all the time, it's not going to be a big deal anymore. When people hear that, when they hear that word, I hear that all the time. You know, my neighbors, you know, pronounce damnation on me thousands of times. My coworkers do all the time. It doesn't pack a punch anymore because we've misused it. And sadly, the name of God today doesn't pack a punch like it used to because it's been run through the mud so much. And because we have misused it, we've taken it in vain. We have all these people who call themselves Christians and even they will just misuse the name of God. You know, they'll see something and oh my, and they'll throw God's name in there and just, and they'll talk about God in a light-hearted way, you know, they'll joke about it. You know, we shouldn't be doing those things. And we've got we've got to make take this very very serious when we, you know, we take God's name when we're bowing things in a rash way and making promises that we can't keep. It says in Deuteronomy 23:21, "When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it." For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be a sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. That which is gone out of thy lips thou shalt keep and perform, even a free will offering, according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. Okay, You would be better off just not swearing, not promising anything, than for you to just go promise something, you bring God's name in, and then you don't go through on it. And many people today... They make God look bad by doing that, by making promises too quick, you know, by just, you know, getting caught up in the moment and making a rash promise. When we start talking about God and using his name, we ought to think long and hard about it. And I'm afraid today that we've just gotten so used to, you know, hearing it on hearing things on television. Uh, you know, we've just gotten so you know backslidden on God that we we don't we don't take him serious anymore and that is a shame it should not be that way and so you know i don't i don't believe these passages are telling us you know it's it's wrong to take an oath or swear but it's i believe it's just teaching us what we read in there matthew is just tell the truth all the time just all the time tell the truth do not drag god's name into every conversation whenever you're talking to somebody. Sometimes, too, you know, we might mess up. We might fail. Uh, we might just, you know, something legitimate happens. But listen, if you have not been asked or required to bring God's name into it, don't bring His name into it, alright? Don't drag His name through there. Have you ever known somebody that, you know, maybe, maybe you knew them 
and they met, you know, they've met somebody you knew and like, hey, yeah, I'm friends. And you're like, you know, don't tell those people you know me. <laughs> you know, I, I don't really want to be associated with you. You know, have you ever known somebody like that? And, if, you know, the truth is, you know, there are there are some people, them using your name, it would make you look bad. And we don't want to be that way with God. We don't want to make him look bad by using his name. We need to take it very, very serious. And so thank God, you know, for that new covenant we see in the Old Testament, that old covenant, that first covenant the Bible says they, they break that covenant. So my covenant, they break. The old covenant, it didn't work because of man's inability to keep it. Turn over to Deuteronomy 27. We looked at some of these verses this morning. Turn over to Deuteronomy 27 and Joshua 24. But when Jesus Christ came to earth, He fulfilled the law with His life. He paid for our sin with His death. Jesus took care of both sides with, with the new covenant. And we are saved and we stay saved because of Him. See, when, remember, when we make a vow, when we make a promise, when we do it in the name of God, for us to go back on that, we are taking God's name in vain. Breaking one of the Ten Commandments. Alright? And so, the truth is, we fail to, you know, we fail every day and we actually take God's name in vain every day. And I touched on this verse this morning, but I want, I want us to look at it again. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse 14. It says, And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven image or molten image an abomination of the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Okay? And we're not going to read all these things. I mentioned this morning, but it's going through and it's naming all these things and saying, cursed, you're cursed if you do these things. Everybody's saying amen. What are they doing? They are affirming it. They are agreeing to it. We will not do these things. We are promising that we will not do these things. Now, this is huge. I hope you're going to, I hope you're going to get this part here. Okay. This was, this was the deal. Okay. This was the agreement. Now, turn over to Joshua chapter 24. So we see here in Deuteronomy that they, they all promised we will keep the law. We know they failed. They failed big time. Okay. Now here we are about a generation later in Joshua chapter 24. And it's basically the same thing where it's a whole generation later and Joshua's talking. And this is a well-known verse, verse 15. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great th signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we p passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore, will we also serve the Lord, for He is our God. What are they doing here? They're making a promise. We will serve the Lord. He is our God. What are they doing? They're using God's name. They're taking His name. And the look at Joshua. Joshua said, you cannot serve the Lord, for He is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. 
if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods. Then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after you've done you good. I love that. Josh was like, make a choice. We're going to serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord too. No, you won't. You can't even do it. You know, he, he's trying to warn them. He's trying to let them know what they're getting themselves into. So then the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and His voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us. For it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. Remember that verse in Proverbs, lest I deny thee? Okay? And right here, these people, they made a promise to God that they couldn't keep. They made a promise to God that they, and they didn't keep it. We see they had a long period of time after here. For the, during the days of Joshua, they served the Lord. All the elders out, outlived Joshua, they served the Lord. But then we get into the book of Judges, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Did they keep the covenant? No, they break the covenant, didn't they? Did they take God's name in vain? Yes, they did take God's name in vain. And so we see that you know, when we make promises that we can't keep, we take God's name in vain. So now what are we doing? Okay, we've got these people out there that are teaching if you're going to get saved, you know, you have to turn away from your sins. You know, you have you you have to stop sinning, you got to start are we capable of doing that? I mean, well, you know, then you got other people. Well, you have to at least want to stop sinning. Well, listen, that's fine. I think a lot of people would want to stop sinning. But so what does that mean? Are we supposed to trick these people and make them think they can stop sinning? Because they're not going to stop sinning. They're going to fail. And the truth is, if they go in their promise, you Lord, I'm going to quit sinning. And I want you to save me. Aren't we just getting them to take God's name in vain? If you don't keep your promise, you're taking His name in vain. But here is the wonderful thing about salvation. When the person gets saved, they're calling on the Lord. They're saying, Lord, I can't do this. I, you know, that's what they should have did there in Joshua. They should have did it with Moses. When Moses gave the Ten Commandments, they should have said, we can't do that. We need God's mercy. And then after, you would think that whole generation later, they'd have figured it out, but they didn't. When Joshua said, you know, you cannot serve the Lord, they should have been like, yeah, we can't. You know, and they should have just begged for God's mercy and His forgiveness. But they didn't do that. And then it's like today, here we have, we have the entire Old Testament. We have the New Testament. We see how Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And people still think, no, I can do this. I can be good enough. Boy, we talked to the lady yesterday. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to not sin. I'm trying not to have bad thoughts. I'm trying to quit doing these things. And I've accepted Jesus in my heart. But listen, when you get saved, it's when you realize that, you know what? I can't do these things. I can't keep this promise. I can't just tell God, Lord, I'll turn from my sins and I'll never do it again. I can't keep that promise for me to even do it. I'm taking God's name in vain. 
You know, Lord, I'll, I'll quit sinning. Lord, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. If you'll just save me, I promise to never do that again. You're lying. Okay? You're taking His name in vain. You're using it lightly. You are not going to keep that promise. And what a person needs to do is they, when they see these commands in the Bible, when they see the things that, we are, that we're supposed to do and the things we're not supposed to do, they need to beg for God's mercy and say, I, I can't do that. Lord, I can't keep this promise. Lord, I can't keep that covenant. Lord, I want You to save me. And when You do... When Jesus comes in your heart and saves you, here's the thing. The Bible says He cannot deny Himself. Okay? Jesus did live a perfect life. He paid for our sins. He's never going to sin. He's never going to fail. He's never going to go back on His Word. He's, he'll never do any of those things. And, the, and the, when a person realizes they can't do it and they call on the Lord, then that's when He comes in their heart and He saves them. And while every day I am capable, and you could say, take God's name in vain. Well, the thing is, that which is born of God, that which is within me, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, it can't do that. It can't take God's name in vain. It can't sin. It can't do any of those things. And right now, while I am in this you know, wretched, sinful body, Hey, you know, there's not a whole lot of hope. But thank God, that Holy Spirit that dwells within me, it is what preserves me. It's what keeps me saved. And it can help me to do better. It can help me get victory over sin. I don't have to take God's name in vain. I don't have to sin. I don't have to, I don't have to break the Ten Commandments. I can get victory if I fail. And when I fail, it's my own fault. It's not God's fault, but I don't have to fail. I don't have to be a failure. But, the, but at the same time, when I don't fail, it's not because of me. It's because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. And we see that for a person to get saved, it's when they put their faith and trust in Him. And we've got a lot of people today, they think they're saved because they went forward one day and they made a bunch of promises to God. I can do that like Israel. We, I can keep that covenant. What what I have what I have to be saved? Well, you know, you need to go to church. You need to get baptized. You need to start. You know, quit your cussing. I can do those things. I but but we find out in the Bible that you know there's more than one way to break a commandment. You know that there you know you might not ever kill somebody, but you know you'll hate somebody in your heart probably. You know you might not ever commit adultery physically, but you'll look at a woman to lust after, and the Bible says you've done it. You've broken. I might not break. You know, this one commandment, but if you break another commandment, you're guilty of all of the command, breaking all the commandments. You're, you are a lawbreaker. And so we see here that this taking God's name in vain is, is very serious. And it's one that we do more than we think. And, but at the same time, it's a reminder about our salvation, how it is not based on the promises that we have made because our promises aren't any good. But it's about the promise that Jesus made. He has offered that free gift of salvation to us. He, he paid the price. And if people could just realize that and just put their faith and trust in Him and stop thinking, I'll just make these promises and then I'll be good. No, you're just going to be taking God's name in vain when you do that. And we shouldn't do that. We need to take the name of God serious. 
And so, I hope tonight you understand what it means to take God's name in vain. And I hope you won't misuse God's name. But I hope you'll also remember that spiritually speaking, you'll never take God's name in vain because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. He is what keeps you saved. He is what... It's His promise that keeps you saved. Not your promise that you made. Your promises are no good to anybody. And so, thank God for that. What a blessing that is. So with that, let's all stand together.